Good morning, Jerry. I'm from Chicago. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> you screwed that up. I can't, I can't. I'm sorry. We oh, went over dear. this in the green room, didn't we? Oh, I need goodness. a script. I can't I believe it. Okay. You see, did not oh, try. You did that on purpose. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Let's try it again. Do it Good again. morning, Jerry. Good morning, John. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm in recovery mode right now, if you don't mind. After that faux pas. Yeah, okay. Well, if you're hearing us for the first time, we are two actual <sighs> brothers recording a weekly podcast. I'm Jerry, and I live in Austin. And as you just heard, go ahead, John. And I'm John, a resident of Chicago for over 50 years. See, See I can add-lib, too. Yeah, you sure can, can't you? Hey, well, you're listening to The Bro Show. We have seasons, just like a TV series. We're currently recording episode 24 of season 10, the season of the whale. Yeah. Yes. What an animal. We talk, about, don't we? we talk about four things during every episode. A whale story, a word we came across during our research, and two takes on a significant topic. We also have what, John? Groaners. We have two groaners, dad jokes, bad jokes, in the form of questions which I have to answer. The pressure's Ooh. on. I'm feeling it. Oh, my God. Yeah, particularly, you're on almost like a streak. I think you've maybe gotten two or three in a row, which is scary. It is scary. And we do not collude on this. This is not 21 questions or whatever that, <laughs> that this is not quiz a show was. It is a contest. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm really feeling the pressure now. Don't we have a sponsor or something? Or oh, hey, wait a minute. Before yeah, that, you're wearing a t-shirt, right? I'm At wearing least. a t-shirt. Thank you. Uh, the t-shirt I'm wearing is uh, "Season of the Rat." It says, uh, "Let's see." Let me read. It's my season britches. Oh, wait, I think I screwed that up too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Try it again. You can do it. Season bitches. I apologize. Or maybe I was blasting was. Witches, yeah, it's season. It's my season, witches. Is that better? Okay. Oh, forget it. Forget it. I'm, <laughs> uh, thank you for asking. I'm wearing a T-shirt also, and it's the season of the ox. Oh, rats! We're animal centric here. Yeah. We are. We are. Yeah, I we like are, mine because it's beige. It's a nice. I like beige. It's nice, natural. It is color. Yeah, that one, that T-shirt is maybe one of the softest, if not the softest. I was just gonna say, ooh, does it feel good? Yeah. Now the other thing is, you we can sleep well at night knowing that we're Mm. not uh, violating any intellectual property laws because it's right off of a postage stamp. (laughs) Yeah, we took it off. (laughs) We took it off a postage stamp. We lift art from everywhere. (laughs) Equal opportunity artists. The artists, great artists, steal. Hey, uh, we got a sponsor, don't we? Hey, we got a sponsor. Sponsor is Save the Whales. Save the Whales is a California nonprofit established in 1977 by a mother and her daughter. Uh, the mother's name is Maris Sidenstracker, and um, she started at the age of 14. And her revenue source was to get started with near and dear to our hearts. It's T-shirts. Oh yeah. And their mission is to basically uh, educate. People, primarily uh, school children, on the importance of whale to the environment. 
they yeah. uh, do most of their teaching on the on their Southern Cal. But when the need arises, they're able to call upon resources to take on special projects. But yeah. I really appreciate their tees, and I think you are the proud possessor of one, aren't you? I have a long sleeve T-shirt from them that you supplied me since it didn't fit you, <clears throat> and uh, it's good. Can't you just say I gave it to you? Come on. All right, all right, okay, all right. John gave me a T-shirt, and I'm really grateful for it. It's dark blue, and it has a, a little brighter blue print on it. It's got a whale with its tail up in the air, diving, about to go go down. And uh, it's really cool. It's got the URL for the site along the left arm and inside. So it's it's the coolest T-shirt I own, and I'm grateful to have it. And you, too, can get a T-shirt from these guys. We have links to the T-shirts and the donation page for this wonderful organization. Wow. It's in the show notes. It's in the show notes. It's in the show notes. Okay. Dude, are you ready for a whale story? The word. Oh, the whale story. Yes, the whistle. The whale rider. Oh, listen. uh, This has got to be the best whale movie we've had so far. And, you know, I think there's a relation. Yeah, there, there's a relationship. It's a feature. We saw movie, some documentaries. We saw some good documentaries. Yeah, but this is the best feature film. I think. Yeah, and I think it really resonates with me because I'm at the point now that we've had so much whale that I'm getting a little bit. Well, I wouldn't say tired of whales, but I want this is refreshing because really the whale is sort of in the background as it relates to the story. But uh, you know what we're talking about here is a movie that was made and a feature movie made in 2002. And it, uh, it's a, I call it a small movie with a big heart. Uh, oh yeah, it's, it, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a movie. It's a coming of age movie in some ways, but yeah. it does it isn't your teenage movie. It's not your typical one. It seems to do a great job of you know what the ending is going to be, but it isn't riddled with cliches. You know, there there isn't a moment in here where you feel like oh you know, but but it has enough compassion that you might be tempted. To actually shed a few tears and, you know, the macho guys are going to probably say they're suffering from allergies, but we know what the really, really, really the problem is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it really tugs at the heart in a big way. Yes, so yes. what is the story here? It's a story. It's a story of a, of a, young, of a woman, a little girl. Her, she's like 12 years old. And she, at the point of her birth, she has, uh, she's going to be, she's twins, but her, her brother and her mother pass away. And it's very critical because it's about a tribe that basically migrates from the kind of the Hawaiian Islands down to New Zealand. And they feel a severe rite of passage and also very traditional. So their way that they select their leader is very specific. It has to be a, has to be a, a, a male individual that goes through yes. a lineage of their, of, uh, and so there's the grandfather who is very upset when he finds out that the boy died and the girl, little girl lived. And yeah. the, the, and the, and, the, and actually the father is the one who, uh, uh, is the one who's supposed to be, you know, taking on the right, uh, the, the, the leadership. Yeah. But he decides yeah. to just bow out, which upsets his grandfather. And then to add insult to injury, of course, he's not even able to bear uh, the, the 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 child that the male child that's needed. So yep. we we find adversity with as as a girl is feels intuitively that she should be the leader and gets all these signs even from whales yeah. themselves. 
yeah. he's able to overcome all kinds of obstacles. And sure enough, it's it's just exceptional. So yeah, we don't want to spoil the ending. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending. But there's some very good traditional Maori uh, stuff going on in the movie. Uh, the, the Maoris are, are, are very interesting people. Uh, you know, there was a Maori medicine man who came to our community, you know, some years ago and, and a bunch of us hung out with him and he was a pretty cool dude. And, uh, in a movie, you'll notice that the leader of the tribe uses this cane to, yes. uh, to make a point sometimes, whether it's to whack somebody or to wrap it on the floor to get people's attention or whatever. This guy had one of those, but it was, wow. it was huge. It was huge. It was and heavy. You could have taken someone out with it, and it's carved out of a solid piece of wood. And then they they have the they have ceremonial things that the leader of the tribe is supposed to know about. Uh, they have a method of fighting that is unique to the Maoris, and it's done with a staff that has a whale tooth often at the end of it, and some plumage from a, a local uh, tropical bird. And uh, you get a real dose of the culture. And it's pretty cool. And one of the things about the founder of the tribe was he arrived on the island riding on the back of a whale. That's where the whale comes into it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some very realistic whale stuff in here. Uh, I think you'll like it. It's a, I recommend it. I think it's a really good movie. It it premiered in Toronto in 2002, as I think you already said. And uh, it received a lot of accolades. And she was the, the young lady was nominated for an Academy Award. Youngest at the time, 13 years old. She's 12 at the time of the filming, but time of the war, she was 13. And uh, a lot of people like this film. A lot of people like it. Well, I think everybody should like it myself. I mean, it's, it's really it's, it's on an Amazon exceptional Prime. movie. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, hey, bucks, look, I, I, three bucks in, in three bucks or if you're cheap like I am, get this the dollar ninety nine. dollar ninety nine. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know what more we can say about it. It's uh, I would just say that what I find best about it is that you it it has a way of of making what you what would appear to be you're waiting for a moment and the moment has happens in a, in a different way. It it, it it surprises you subtly. It, it's not something that's yeah. going to overwhelm you. But no. you look at it and you say, okay, that this is going to happen, and then it happens. But in just just a little bit of a different touch to all the surprises as they as we go through it. And I like the authenticity. It's and it was filmed in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking on the island, any, on the island, if you're if you're looking for any uh, big name actors and actresses, uh, don't stop looking. Uh, yeah. They're not there. But that doesn't mean that the acting isn't good. I think it's all exceptional. And, well, uh, yeah. the guy, her father was actually in a movie I watched with Mary Jane last night. Uh, we watched uh, uh, the Rachel White's movie uh, about the, the jury tampering for for a, a gun case, which yeah. is very timely. And, uh, yeah, he was one of the uh, jurors. <laughs> Same Sweet. guy. Yeah. So he's, he's been around. He's been in a few things. Hey, do we have a word? Yeah, you know what? We've got a word. Uh, the word is predation. Uh, P-R-E-D-A-T-I-O-N. Now, this word... If you think about it, is is pretty easy to understand. It's just say, you know, when we have one animal that is preying upon other, you got the you've got the predator, and you got the prey. It's that simple, and it's that relationship. So yeah. uh, a more formal definition might be the relationship between two species in uh, of animal in a community in which 
the predator captures and feeds off the other. So I think a good example there are exceptions. would be, uh, yeah, there are exceptions, but I like to go with the mainstream, like Tom and Jerry. Uh, what? That's a good one. What? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's not in the I, script. I know it doing? isn't, but you're doing but it that's again. You're the, doing it again. Using that as an example for the definition, we can get for an example because you see, I just want to point out that since I don't have a big biological background in terms of of going seeing a lot of doing science, zoology, and all that, sometimes I'm I struggle for the example. So you gave me the assignment of giving an example of this, and we wanted to segue into plants. So I was oh. severely challenged, but I finally was able. Uh, I got a sense of relief when I finally came upon. What I feel is, is is a good one. There's a song that came out uh, called "The Eggplant That Ate Chicago," and you're going to say, "Well, what does that have to do with?" Yeah. Uh, well, because you you pointed out to me that there are plants that are predators and they eat insects, and I thought, well, this is a plant, the eggplant. It didn't specifically it ate a eat, city. It ate, it a, ate city, a city huh? instead. But you know what? First thing, keep in mind, it's an alien, so let's give it a little bit of slack as to what it eats. In addition to the fact, it does point out in the, in the, in the song that it eats, uh, it likes things, it's got a sweet tooth, it likes things that are sweet. So, uh, that's where I came with it. Hey, look, I could have used the attack of killer tomatoes, and I didn't, okay? So let's relax should, yeah. the best I could. Okay? okay. That's, I'm gonna have All to right. go with that. Alright, you couldn't have used the Venus flytrap, a plant that actually eats insects. Well, you mentioned it, but I thought, I don't want to copy off of you. I want to come up with another one. And the best I could come oh. up with was the eggplant. I'm sorry. That was the best. Okay. That's the best. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you, John. You're very helpful. So maybe you can give us a little description of the one that you, you know, the, the well, the Venus flytrap. I just did. What does that work? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a plant that is pretty frisky, actually. Uh, it, it's like a clamshell with little little hairs on the on the yeah. lip of the, of the clam, and what it does is it opens up during the day, and it kind of tantalizes with its aroma and various things, bugs that will come Ooh. to sit inside that clamshell, and then it closes up fast <laughs> enough to catch a bug. What do you think? I'm impressed. Now, yeah, it is pretty neat, and we had one when we lived at Donald's Court in St. Louis. You and I. Our family had really? a fly trap. Yeah, I got it. I, I procured it. Yeah. Oh man. It was pretty exciting. It was pretty you exciting had all the fun actually. As a kid. I did. I had a little difficulty <laughs> I had a little difficulty. I don't know if you're aware of it, but I had difficulty transitioning from the farm to the suburbs. And so I got lots of animals to kind of compensate. Yeah, I know. Some sometimes those animals were buried in our doggone bedroom. You've used it as a cemetery plot. You you wanted to stay near and dear to the ones that died, like the iguana. Is that a problem? <laughs> was that was that a problem? I'm unaware. I guess of my nose was just too sensitive. Yes, it was. Huh. All right. Uh, oh well, that's enough on. Yeah, uh, that's we kind of get the idea. Full roar. But the, no, yeah, we have a two takes though too, don't we? Yeah, we'll see. The two takes is the fact that uh, not only do plants eat insects, but we find out based upon a discovery of yours that really. Insects are a big food source in countries other yeah. than the United States. And yes, what are. we need to realize is that the way not to be dystopian about it, but the fact is that it's probably somewhere along the line it's going to become a food source for us. And in some ways it is already. So it's, a, it's an evolutionary. Yeah. yeah, it's an evolution. It's an evolutionary process. And, you know, that's 
I kind of got my thought about this from the whales because there are whales, toothed whales, that are predators, and their prey is fairly good size, like the sperm whale goes after squid, you know, and the, the orcas or the killer whales, they eat anything that moves. They're pretty pretty aggressive. But there's a whole category of the big whales. The really big ones are called baleen whales, and they eat shrimp and plankton and very small things, lots of small things. So I thought, kind of doing the same thing, you know, we're, we're spoiling the environment by trying to grow beef and sheep and stuff like that. You know, it's eating up resources. It's causing deforestation. It's causing problems with the air, with methane. And I won't get too graphic about that. But, you know, it's a problem. And so right. what happens is we have a choice. We can either become plant eaters, which we're omnivores. We can eat plants. But to, to live totally off of plants is difficult because of vitamins and proteins and all kinds of things. So perhaps our prey is getting smaller, and it is. We've gone from yes. beef to, and, and, you know, buffalo and deer and stuff like that, downsized to chicken, downsized to fish, downsized to shrimp, and then downsized to bugs. Bugs, John. Bugs. We're eating bugs. <clears throat> I don't, I don't think you pointed out uh, that sustainability in the food in the food chain uh, yeah. lies in the fact that we're going to we're either going to we need to rely more upon insects. And I think another yeah. point here is that as you talk about the 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 importance on the environment, is that you can say, well, I I don't eat the animals which this and that whatever with the methane. But the point is that insects do not year, use nearly as much water as plants do. That's correct. So that is another thing. And they do the they do the work for you. Yes. Say, hey, every kid says, I don't want to eat my vegetables, Mom. Well, good. Eat this grasshopper because it eats vegetables. Yes. Right? Let the grasshopper right. do the work. Grasshopper. Yeah. Hey, I got some personal anecdotes regarding this. Oh, do you want to hear? Let's go for it. Yes. Okay. So uh he's no longer with us, but we had a half brother, James A. Daniels Jr. And uh, Jim Jr., as we called him, he was a very progressive individual. He was always ahead of the curve, whether it was technology, diet. He was one of the first Daniels to quit smoking because he heard mm. it causes cancer. And this was in the 1950s. He was ahead of his time. Also, I remember I spent the week with, with uh, Jim and his family, and he came home from this seminar he'd gone to, and he was like on fire. He was really excited. He says, you're not going to believe this, but but in the future, they're going to build a dome over St. Louis, and they're going to air condition it. This is going to be a good time to be in the air conditioning business, which our family was in. And he was all excited, and he's talking about it. He says, plus, you know, there's going to be so many people. We're going to have trouble feeding ourselves. We're going to eat insects. And guess what I brought home? Insects to eat. <laughs> I said, I couldn't believe it. So his wife, Juanita, was cooking up some grasshoppers in a skillet. And he had a bunch of chocolate-covered ants and crickets yeah. and grasshoppers. And uh, me and Jim the Third, his son, were eating this stuff with him, and it was fun. It was very exciting. And you know what? Tastes pretty good. It was just a little crunchy. That's all. Had a little crunch to it. You, you know, the, it, not only being in front of it, you know, ahead of his time, but he also was the ultimate jokester. So if he oh could pull God. a prank, and he, he, I could just see the shit-eating grin on his face when he's doing all. Oh this. yeah. Oh yeah, uh, and I can also see uh, 
his son, uh, Jimmy the Third, just yeah. insatiable appetite, probably eating more than his fair share of insects. Yeah, he he had a <laughs> he, he had a bottomless pit for a stomach. He and never gained any weight. He was always rail thin when he was yeah. There. But any that's cool, pretty good. Cool. Yeah, it was that's but is more. There's more. I'm gonna There's give a shout more. out. There's more. I want to give a shout out to Sarah Sarah Reichelt, my friend in Australia, and uh, her son Jack. Uh, Jack, she referred me to him. Uh, Jack went to school down in Australia, of course, and in primary school, they were not allowed to bring hard candy to school. That was a rule, and they call them lollies down there. Any hard candy, lollipops, we call them. So, anyways, he said we couldn't have lollies. So what we did is. They had these ants down in Australia called honeypot ants, and they have this real distended uh, abdomen on the back end, and it's full of nectar, very much like honey. And so these ants, they would pull that part of the ant off so they wouldn't get the front end, which has formic acid in it, by the way, and they would eat raw these little back ends of, of honeypot ants. And he said it was just like candy, and he started doing that when he was a kid, and he has since continued to eat insects, and wow. he told me about this. Yeah, about this roasted garlic cricket pasta that he yes. he and his partner uh, were, were chowing down on in recent right before COVID started, and uh, it was pretty amazing. And uh, I looked it up on the website, and sure enough, they sell this pasta. And he said. It consistency-wise, it's like whole wheat pasta, if you ever had that. And aroma-wise, it has a slightly nutty taste. And he said, and another taste that you can't put your finger on, but it's not unpleasant. And he said it was good. And he had it with herbs and butter. Wow. Yeah, I, I think what, a couple of things. I, I was challenged to try to find some, some yeah, what insects there, I could eat uh, today. And I it didn't I, – I, didn't happen. I, I, I failed miserably. But what was interesting about it is that I, through my research, found out that I'm probably eating insects already every morning. <clears throat> the reason being is because our coffee beans quite often have insects uh, either in the grind or even attached to the, the actual beans themselves. And there can be other sort of, a lot of processed food that has wheat in it, as you commented about pasta. Has insects yeah. in it. So the FDA, the Food Drug Administration, is responsible for looking to make sure that there's that there isn't something impure in the food that we eat. And the fact is that if if we basically outlawed banned food that had insects in it, we wouldn't be eating very much because there's probably insect fragments and a lot of stuff. And what the FDA does is it says, look, it's not going to hurt you. So if it's up to a certain level. We will let you have it in your food. And so as a result, you talk peanut butter, you talk coffee, you talk uh, canned mushrooms, all this stuff is, you know, or some just classic examples. But, you know, you're saying, well, what if it's over a certain level? Does it hurt you? No, but the FDA would then have to call it insect uh, pasta. You know, yeah. so what they that, that's the reason. It has nothing to level. It has nothing to do with it hurting you. The level has to do with the fact that, that then they would have to call that a, a, a primary ingredient. Yep. So here I am sipping on my coffee, and I'm eating yeah. insects, fragments. So I feel very yeah. good about that. So I'm going to it in a very subtle very, way. You're nothing if not subtle. 
I think everyone who listens to the show knows that. Oh, hey, well. Yeah, it's, it's a nutritional thing, too, by the way. Uh, and I, I might also good. point out, I've never heard or read in any literature that people are allergic to bugs in their food. Right. Peanuts? I would not so much. But bugs? Not a problem. Hey, and a quick story. Uh, when I was taking food nutrition science in college, I took a whole year of it, and it was really a fascinating subject. And one of the things we ran into was a study that was done on vitamin B12, which is a hard-to-find vitamin. It's, it's mm. somewhat plentiful in beef and red meat. But uh, vegetarians have a hard time getting enough of it. And they did a study of, uh, of people from the Indian subcontinent who lived in the UK and versus people who lived in India. And the people in the UK suffered from vitamin B12 deficiency, much more mm. than people in the Indian subcontinent. And it turned out it was because the spices that they used in Great Britain very often were so sanitized, they didn't have any bugs in them. And bugs are a major source of vitamin B12. Well, you know, this, this whole thing with insects is close to home because um, part of them would say, well, you're probably talking about third world countries that are eating insects and that, that's their, their food source. Well, number Mexico is very big. In addition to the fact, large countries such as India are also use have yeah. insects as a primary uh, food source. So it's getting close. It's just a matter of time before we'll be chomping on crickets. That's for sure. Not just crickets, but larvae are a big source in other countries. Larvae. There's a larvae down in Australia that Sarah told me about. And that larvae is 0.7 inches long. And they put them on the barbie, on the barbecue. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they crunch them up a little bit. They get the skin, you know, like chicken skin. They said it's like chicken skin when it's roasted. And inside it tastes slightly like almonds and, and eggs. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to finish up here with, I know we're always trying to, it's only an exhibition, we're not trying to top each other. But mushrooms no, of course not. Yeah. consist of, uh, not only they can, they have in them maggots and mealworms, and let's face it, I, a little alliteration has to come, I always have to get that in there, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Well, them, are good, them, them are good eating, John. Yeah. Them are good eating, so, yeah. We've eaten, we live in a farm. We probably eat lots of insects. You know? No, I eat a lot of dirt. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dirt involved. Hey, it's time for groaners. Groaners! Our groaners are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr., commonly referred to as the coach. And coach. you know what? The coach more than delivered. He had two oh. that didn't even have to wordsmith. They were just so pure that I just couldn't resist uh, giving them to you. So here we go. What do you get when you cross George Washington with cattle feed? What do you get when you cross George Washington with cattle feed? Wow. Oh, God. This is this is a puppy. I, 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 I no, knew that. No, I, it does it have anything to do with his hatchet, and I cannot tell why. No, 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 no. It's not, his not his wooden teeth. Not his wooden not his wooden you teeth cattle, What you call cattle feed. Uh, no, I, okay. I got nothing. I got nothing. The fodder of our country. Wow, that is remote, but it's, it's also excellent. It, it's pretty good. Okay, yeah. let's let's try this one. This one's a little bit better, but it's tough too. What kind what's the what's what is the popular kind of music that do do lawn care specialists listen to? 
what is what what is the most popular kind of music that long care specialists listen to? Well, I don't know, but I know the group, and that would be the grassroots. I like that. That's good. Well, you're going to get a lot of partial credit on that one. Motown. Oh, Mo Down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No. I like it. I like it. That's good. It's yeah. It's pretty good. It's a little better than the first one, but yeah, I like to finish with a bang. 